Welcome to the Beyond Fine Equine Podcast. I'm Morgan Stevens, an equine postural and performance practitioner. I created this podcast for other horse enthusiasts to learn and hear about all sides of the equine industry. On this podcast, I'll be interviewing other professionals and getting their takes on the horse world. You can expect controversy, advice, inspiration, and surely to get your horses beyond fine. Welcome back to the Feeling Fine Equine podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. You guys have probably heard the saying, no hoof, no horse. And honestly, I've never heard anything more true. The horse's hoof is so incredibly fascinating and you can go way, way, way deep into it. And to be honest, I don't know a ton about hoof care and the hoof. And so I've been doing a lot of research into that and I find it extremely fascinating. And in my research in doing this is how I found today's guest. Today's guest is a hoof care professional and she actually has her own podcast that I highly recommend. She talks today a lot about navicular and other things that can go wrong inside the equine hoof. She talks about some things that we as horse owners can do to help prevent things going wrong with hoof care, um, as well as if they did go wrong, how we can fix it. So without further ado, please welcome Alicia Harlov with The Humble Hoof. Okay, so I know that one of your passions is navicular, so can you speak a little bit about what the difference between navicular disease and navicular syndrome is? Sure. Um, I should probably start with saying that I really hate that there's even a distinction because I think that there can be some really sound horses that have navicular disease, quote unquote, with bone damage and some really lame horses that have navicular syndrome, quote unquote. But historically, what veterinarians have used um, for uh, navicular disease is horses that via radiograph or MRI are diagnosed with bone damage or changes to the actual navicular bone. Um, These are horses that they present as lame. They end up having a vet come out and doing a lameness evaluation. And usually the vet will give them some analgesic or a nerve block that uh, numbs the back half of that horse's foot. And if that horse then becomes significantly sounder, they'll take a radiograph. If they see bone damage, then they'll say that the horse has navicular disease. And if they don't see bone damage, a lot of times they'll just say that horse has navicular syndrome, meaning, you know, they don't see any changes on the radiographs, but that horse is still lame in the navicular region. Um, but again, I really hate that distinction because there are tons of horses that have bone damage to their navicular bone that are perfectly sound and never take a lame step. Uh, so I don't really think there should be any kind of distinction between the two. Okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So let's kind of run a hypothetical here. Let's say somebody's horse gets diagnosed with navicular. What is like the traditional treatment that one might do? Yeah, well, so I guess I can only really speak for what um, was presented to me. I know that every vet and, you know, across the, the country and probably the world has different things that they like and what they, what different barriers have different thing that, things they like. But when my gelding was diagnosed with navicular in 2014, they told me to do um, corrective shoeing with bar shoes and a wedge pad um, to elevate the back half of the foot. 
And also uh, at that point, um, they were just starting to more widely use bisphosphonates, which are like Tildren and Osphos, um, which disrupts the osteoclast activity in the bone. So it, it you know, the, the goal, quote unquote, is to um, prevent bone damage. And so they, they offered that injection of Tildren or Osphos and corrective shoeing and NSAIDs. So they're saying like, you can keep on Equiox the rest of his life and he'll be usable until he is is basically what they told me, you know, he'll be good until he becomes too lame with even those management, you know, issues. And then at that point they offered, you know, they gave the option of a norectomy, which is actually cutting the nerve, the palmar digital nerve so that the horse actually cannot feel any pain in their foot or feel anything really. Um, and then at that point, if that fails or, or the nerve grows back, then they said, you know, that's usually when people would then turn to euthanasia. Um, and obviously a lot has changed in the last nine years since then, but I still see a lot of the same recommendations today. Yeah, absolutely. I know a couple of horses that I personally work on who have navicular and the recommendation was, was the bar shoes and the corrective shoeing. And it seems like at least for some horses, it gives them some relief for a little while, but then they kind of either go back to where they were or they get worse. Um, do you, can you speak a little bit on maybe why that happens? I mean, I know it's different for every horse, but. Right. Yeah. And obviously there's not necessarily documented research about these things that, you know, we can point to and say definitively, but um, ultimately when you do anything to a horse's foot, there's no like zero sum in hoof care. Anything we do to change a horse's foot is going to have some effect somewhere else, either in the foot or up the limb or in the body, um, just based on that horse's movement and confirmation. So basically if we're, we're taking this horse's foot and saying, okay, well, the pathology is trumping anything else that we want, you know, want to try to maintain. So we're going to try to ease discomfort on that pathology and increase that heel height or give them a wedge or give that corrective shoeing. Um, you're going to change the focal point of pressure in the foot. You're going to change how that horse moves and you're going to change how that soft tissue functions within the foot. So um, you're going to change, you know, how the frog and the digital cushion is absorbing the, the ground reaction forces as the horse moves. You change how that deep digital flexor tendon is moving over the navicular bursa and the navicular bone. You're affecting how the collateral ligaments are, um, you know, functioning to stabilize that, that joint. So um, basically everything that we're doing to try to take away the pain is causing compensation elsewhere in the foot. So it's only a matter of time, in my opinion, until some other structure in that foot is just, just can't handle that change in load. And ultimately, you know, while that horse might be sound for a little while, I think that's why a lot of times we see these horses go lame again. And then navicular is die is, is deemed as degenerative. Um, when honestly, I, I don't really see it as degenerative in a lot of the horses that I work on. Okay. So. Obviously, diagnoses seem to range from mild to extreme with navicular. Is navicular like the end-all be-all or what are some like holistic treatments that you do with or that you did with your horse and also your client horses? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big question, right? Because there's so many structures in the back half of the foot that can be causing pain. Um, you know, you have, like I said, the deep digital flexor tendon, the collateral ligaments, the in-par ligament, the digital cushion, the collateral cartilages, um, you know, the frog, the heel, the external structures too. 
uh, and not just that navicular bone. So because there's so many things that can cause pain, we can't just say there's a one size fits all for every navicular case. But that being said, how I approach it is I kind of do like an elimination style rehab. So I kind of take away as much things as I can, as many things as I can that could be causing pain and causing problem and problems, and then see if that horse becomes more comfortable. Um, so the first thing I do is no matter if this horse is like the hardest keeper in the world or the easiest keeper, I, you know, kind of coach the owner on, on changing the diet and, and feeding the horse as if this horse is metabolic and as if this horse is a laminitic. And that absolutely does not mean starving the horse. I think a lot of people kind of confuse that. Like I'm not trying to starve any horses out there. It just means that I'm trying to limit the excess sugar and starch in the diet and balance the minerals in the diet so that these horses are getting the nutrients they need, but not from like straight up sugar and, um, you know, just a, a crazy imbalance of minerals. It's not allowing them to grow a healthy hoof. So I would say in all honesty, about half the horses I see just with a diet change become significantly more comfortable. And that's like, you know, nothing, I can't even take credit for that. Like, that's just, like, that's nothing I'm doing to the foot. It's just that they're more comfortable because they, I'm removing, you know, the owner's removing inflammatory ingredients in the diet and that horse is able to then feel more comfortable in its feet. And once they feel more comfortable, they're moving more comfortably. And then that movement becomes a way to strengthen that hoof in those internal structures. So that's kind of like step one, basic, change the diet, see how the horse is. Obviously not every horse is going to get sounder just with a diet change. I wish that were the case. Um, other horses I see, I would say a large group of them have significant frog issues, like you know central sulcus infections or really deep thrush. And if a horse has you know painful thrush, they're going to be unwilling to load that back half of the foot properly. And that alone can cause issues with their movement that then leads to internal damage. So I you know, want owners to treat any hint of thrush they see in the frog, anything that can be uncomfortable in that back half of the foot. Um, and then a lot of it comes down to doing basically anything we can with either the trim or boots and pads or composite gluons, which I don't use as much um, in navicular cases personally, but doing something that allows the horse to land more comfortably and biomechanically correct. So basically I want them to be engaging that heel and landing more subtly heel first. And through that strengthening their frog, their digital cushion, kind of easing the, the extra strain on that deep digital flexor tendon and navicular bone, just through proper movement. And really with those three steps, I see a lot of horses become a lot more comfortable with very minimal maintenance. A couple episodes back, you might remember that we talked about ulcers and we talked about a specific product aiding in ulcers, and that was Nutribac pH. Nutribac pH is a 100% all-natural blend of plant oils and plant extracts which aids in neutralizing excess stomach acid, washing out harmful bacteria, and balancing pH during times of stress. This product also encourages feed and water intake during rigorous transportation, competition, and training. 
It's highly effective at reducing ulcer signs as well as ulcer maintenance. Nutribac is something that I use within my herd and it saved me from being in a couple of really sticky situations, whether it be ulcers or colic. So if you are interested in trying some or getting your hands on some, please reach out to us either on our social media, Beyond Fine Therapy, or our website, beyondfineequine.com. Obviously, the industry is is kind of growing a lot. And I feel like five years ago, even two years ago, I had never heard of hoof rehab. So it's kind of cool. Like, I know that you're kind of like living your dream right now. You just have your facility up and going. And I know you have either you have some horses doing that right now or they're coming soon. Um, So can you talk a little bit about what hoof rehab is? Yeah, sure. So basically hoof rehab is is kind of self-explanatory in the sense that we're trying to rehab this hoof to be the healthiest hoof it can be for that specific horse. And obviously some of that is dictated by the health of the coffin bone. We know that, you know, the lamina connection and, and the quality of the white line is going to really mimic the quality and health of the coffin bone within the hoof. Um, and also the, the ability to grow good sole depth is going to be dependent a bit upon that coffin bone health as well. But basically I want to give that horse all of the ingredients it sort of needs to be able to grow the healthiest foot possible through diet, through good movement, through, you know, proper trims and hoof care that's going to keep the horse as comfortable as possible, because if their feet are chronically uncomfortable, like we were saying before, they're not going to be moving as much. And if they do move, they're going to be, you know, maybe have a shortened stride that affects their internal structures and their soft tissue. Um, And it's just not going to allow their entire body to move as freely as possible. Um, And really just compensatory movement can cause all kinds of problems. So basically we're trying to give this horse everything it needs to grow the healthiest foot possible. And then through that, whether it's the diet growing in a better quality wall, better frog, better sole depth, better white line, you know, whether it's that or it's just good movement that's strengthening the foot, we're seeing these hooves rehabilitate to a better structure than before. And obviously that looks different, like I said, for every horse, because every horse is unique but ultimately it's sort of letting the horse do a lot of the work in, in growing and, and building that hoof. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love that you mentioned uh, through movement as well, because I think that that is also a really important part to hoof care that people maybe don't think about. Um, I recently learned that the frog is responsible for kind of kickstarting the lymphatic system and like the contact that the frog has with the ground. And so I think it's kind of neat that you bring that up. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, movement, I would say out of everything that we can do, proper movement kind of trumps it all. Like if I have a a client that is unable to change diet just because of extenuating circumstances or they're in a boarding environment where they can't, you know, adjust things too much. If that horse is getting really good, positive movement over varied terrain, that's allowing their hoof to, you know, receive that stimulus and impact from the ground in a positive way. I see the healthiest feet on horses that are, that are getting that maximum movement. Mm, 
I like that. So I personally see a lot of horses where maybe they get kind of tender on rocks um, barefoot. And so then they are then moved and put onto softer ground because they get tender on rocks. Is that kind of something that is maybe like a misconception? Like, should we be keeping them on the varied terrain as much as possible? I think it's kind of a tricky thing to say because some horses, you know, they, they do need to be able to access the, the stimulus that you want them to be able to move and work on. Like, yes, that's definitely something we need for them. Like if you have a horse that's living on sand all the time, they're going to notice if they suddenly walk on rocks or gravel. But that being said, if that horse is eating a diet that is really high in sugar and starch or high in like sweet feed and grain and, and tons of iron and really low copper and zinc, then those hooves are going to kind of most likely be in a chronic state of inflammation and movement over harder terrain is going to be painful no matter how many times you expose them to it. So we want to, it's kind of both. And you want to have them able to access that terrain and ideally have the choice of moving over, like in their turnout, moving over something that's more challenging for them, as well as something that's softer, but also removing other triggers that can be causing that inflammation in the hoof. Because if they're in like a chronic low grade laminitic type state, they're never going to be able to kind of build up that, you know, soul callus, quote unquote, that everybody desires so much. Um, so really it's kind of a, a, a two-step process. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. So I, I feel like another kind of big thing that uh, maybe is an issue within the equine industry is I feel like I see a lot of inconsistent hoof care maybe you'd call it um and I know that obviously effects of that could literally be anything I I see it in their bodies and and how they act but what are some just average general inconsistencies or effects of inconsistent hoof care by inconsistent do you just mean like a like horses that aren't trimmed regularly or like on a longer cycle that kind of thing yeah like I know uh like even some people I mean I feel like the average is like oh my horse is on a six to eight week schedule but also some people are like oh I just wait until they get too long and then we trim them so like are there bad effects of that or is that the way we should be doing things yeah, no, I think there's definitely bad effects to that. And I was actually just talking with someone about that today, that ideally we never want the hooves to look long because then we're constantly trying to chase after this distortion and letting the horse get long and then trimming them back to where, or, you know, whatever, taking their foot back to where we want it. They have to readjust every single trim to a new length of leverage, new breakover, new balance. And it's, it's their body kind of constantly walking back and forth between these different balances and different lengths of their feet. Um, so ultimately what I like is keeping that foot in balance at all times, which means, you know, again, it's going to be different for different horses, but a cycle length that allows you to do very minimal change, but kind of keep the status quo. So some horses, that's a pretty short cycle length. Some horses, like I have an entire barn that does a, an incredible amount of road work. Like they ride their horses on the road all the time. And they, they're, they're able to do a little bit of a longer cycle length because their feet are just like, they're, they're self-maintaining a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. And, and, you know, Dr. Renata Weller, she has some really good research on how the length of a horse's toe can actually increase forces on their deep digital flexor tendon. And really, I mean, the effects of breakover can be as, as benign as just a horse tiring quicker or, or um, having issues with overreaching to as severe as a horse that has then a soft tissue injury due to this imbalance and extra length. So it might seem like it's, you know, oh, the, the feet aren't chipping. We can just let them go longer, but it's really not just about extra length. It's about keeping them in balance. So their joints and limbs and soft tissue are able to be the healthiest as possible. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I'll be honest, pretty much my whole entire life growing up with horses, I my horses were always on a schedule. Maybe I waited a little bit until they were a little long so that they could get trimmed. And it was just until recently I had a horse um, come up with laminitis and I was able to find a, a barefoot trimmer who was kind of able to help me see that, look, if we if we keep him on a two to three week trimming schedule, like he can stay more comfortable. We can keep up with it. And the results have been amazing like I've been shocked at how much he's moving better just by keeping up his feet and keeping him comfortable yeah and honestly I will say that the horses with the healthiest feet that I see are ones that are on a fairly short and consistent cycle because that foot doesn't even have time to distort and it's it's crazy how you know we can think a foot is healthy and doing well until you really start to tweak little minor things and asking that foot to really improve and then you see this, this level of health that you didn't think was possible for that horse. So yeah, if people are having issues with their horse's hooves, then I would definitely talk to their farrier or trimmer about if cycle length could be playing a role. Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So I know that obviously your horse was kind of a big turning point in, in your education and, and what you do now, but Either would you want to speak a little bit more on that case with your horse or maybe another case that really inspired you? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and definitely we can talk about Vinny. He's my gelding. So I bought him, <laughs> I bought him and I was a little naive, I have to say. Um, he's a Mustang and he, you know, came from the wild in Nevada. He, you know, was barefoot. He's never had a shoe on in his life. And well, other than when I started experimenting with him <laughs> after the fact. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to get a Mustang because they're easy keepers and he'll never have a hoof issue ever because he was wild. <laughs> and it's just funny to think back on because he just from just a few months into owning him, it was just one thing after the other when it came to his feet. And so basically he, we went for a trail ride one day and he came up just slightly off after the trail ride. And I didn't really think much of it until he didn't really get better after about a week. And it wasn't, it wasn't lame enough for me to think like, Oh, he has an abscess. Um, I just thought maybe it's a stone bruise, but I had the vet out to check. And literally within 30 minutes, my world felt like it was crashing down around me because one x-ray and the vet says, well, we have a really, you know, pretty severe navicular bone damage and this is going to be something this horse is going to deal with for the rest of his life like he's it's going to degenerate it's a degenerative disease and his is already pretty far advanced and I was just like what are you talking about like this horse was sound two weeks ago he never took a lame step until that trail ride like I was just so confused um 
And, you know, the, the vet was super nice, nothing against her. You know, she gave me a name of a farrier. This was before I was doing healthcare myself. She gave me the name of a farrier in the area who could do some corrective shoeing. And I'm, I'm just pretty stubborn. Like I just ended up Googling and, and doing a lot of research on my own, um, and found this place called Rockley Farm Navicular Rehab in England. And they had this like 85% success rate of getting these navicular horses with super poor prognoses back to full competition. And it was all barefoot and with very minimal maintenance. And I was like, well, why wouldn't I do that instead of trying to, you know, to like spend all this money on these expensive maintenance things and just have them end up having to be retired in the end anyway. Right. Um, so I flew over to England and uh, kind of learned what they did. And I wouldn't say that it was smooth sailing, um, mostly because I always boarded my horse and I, I couldn't change everything about his maintenance. Um, but sort of what I outlined earlier, like the first thing I did was changed his diet. And that was a lot of troubleshooting. Like I found out he's incredibly sensitive to his balance of minerals, even like how much salt he gets in his diet. He can be really sensitive about grass, um, even though his metabolic blood work is absolutely perfect. He is not metabolic. He doesn't have insulin resistance or Cushing's, but he can be very sensitive to new grass. Um, and that affects his movement. He, there were just so many little things that, that took me a while to figure out. Um, and eventually he was still struggling again, before I was a full-time hoof care provider, he was still struggling a bit. And, uh, right as around the time that I was starting to take over all his hoof care and do everything myself, you know, we were able to get him an MRI and we found out that he had torn his deep digital flexor tendon in both front feet and had bone edema, you know, pretty bad navicular bone damage and adhesions to his collateral ligaments. And so he just was a mess in, in both front feet. And so that's when I started really focusing on his biomechanics because ultimately it came down to like physical therapy. You know, if a person has a soft tissue injury, we're not telling them to sit and do nothing and, and not allow them to move. You just want them, you want them to move properly so that you're kind of retraining the body to not allow those repetitive strain type injuries, you know, not, not allow that, that injury to happen. So I started really focusing on his biomechanics and movement and, you know, he's been fully sound for about three years now and with this like terrible pathology in his feet. And I really, I'm not doing anything special for him at the moment. Um, he's, you know, just, he lives out 24 seven on eight acres. He gallops, he bucks, he's comfortable on gravel, on, on hard pack, on frozen ground, frozen mud. Um, he's doing great. And, and he's someone, he's someone, he's a horse that really inspired <laughs> me to realize that you know, even the cases that we're tempted to give up on because those, the internal pathology is so bad and, and the diagnostics just reveal really a, a terrible prognosis, they can surprise us. And of course, that's not, you know, I'm not saying that every single horse is going to be able to come back to soundness. And I, I wish that were the case, but it's not, but it doesn't mean that we can't at least try and see if there's something to get them more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's worth a shot for a lot of people too. Right. Yeah. And it is emotionally, it can be really difficult and it can take time. Um, and I, you know, I do have a, I have a Facebook group, it's called barefoot rehab for navicular and in there, it's just like a, a big support group. There's like 11,000 of us now. And it's wow. just like supporting each other. 
yeah, it's, I started in 2015. Um, and it's just people supporting each other that are going through navicular diagnoses because it can be incredibly emotionally draining. Um, but then once you get to the point where they're consistently comfortable, it's, it's so worth it. Yeah, that's amazing. So for people who maybe do have a navicular case or even another another case like laminitis or or maybe they don't and they just want to start with better hoof care for their horse, do you have um, something like is that is maybe a good starting place for them? Yeah, I would say that diet is where I typically start just because it's something that we can we can pretty easily change and it typically saves money to do a more targeted nutrition plan. That's going to be, you know, really looking at the minerals and, and calories and forage that they need, as opposed to just kind of throwing the kitchen sink at them and hoping it helps. Um, Dr. Kellen is a huge wealth of knowledge. She has some very affordable um, online courses. So I think her website's just drkellen.com. And I, gone through a handful of her courses. They're all really great. The NRC plus one is really good, uh, to start with. It is in depth So It is, you know, a, a 12 week course and you're going to learn a whole, a whole lot, like more than you probably need to know, but, um, that's a really great course. And then there's a lot of organizations that do awesome webinars about diet, um, progressive hoof care practitioners or PHCP is the organization I'm a member of. They offer webinars a few times a year on diet that are, again, really affordable. Um, and there's, you know, articles online that Dr. Kellen has written. Um, there's a Facebook group, um, Forge-based equine nutrition. That's really good that, you know, just focuses on getting these horses, the calories and the proper minerals they need for the individual situation that allows them to grow healthier feet. So I would, I would start there for people that are interested. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for that. And then yeah. for people who maybe want to learn more about you, I know you have your own podcast and you share a lot of education too. Would you want to share what, what your sites are? Yeah, sure. So my podcast is The Humble Hoof. Um, it's available on any podcast platform. Um, I also have a website, thehumblehoof.com which does have my podcast episodes as well and has more information about, you know, my hoof care services in person. I'm in Massachusetts. Um, and I, you know, the farm here that we're starting up and I do offer rehab boarding for horses that need more intensive care for hoof issues. Um, so those are the two main, main platforms I focus on right now. And obviously that Facebook group I mentioned before, Barefoot Rehab for Navicular. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for all the information. I'm really excited for people to learn something. Yeah, of course. I'm happy that we could get on this call and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you bet. I highly recommend checking out Alicia's page and her podcast, The Humble Hoof, because you will learn so much more information than you even learned today in this podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps us get our podcast out there. Also, make sure that you are subscribed so you get notified when new episodes air. Otherwise, we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. like that